The Productive Woman, Episode 277. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thanks so much for joining me. I hope your new year is off to a good start. This week, we're going to be talking about decluttering, specifically 10 categories of things to consider decluttering and a couple of tips on how to do so. You'll find more information and links in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 277. This episode is brought to you by MetPro and by HoneyBook. If getting healthier is on your 2020 goals list, check out MetPro's Concierge Health Coaching Program and their special offer just for the Productive Woman listeners. Visit metpro.co slash tpw to get a complimentary metabolic profiling assessment and consultation. Learn about your metabolism and receive personalized advice from a metabolic expert. To claim this offer, head to metpro.co slash tpw. And I'll talk a little bit more about them later on in the show. But right now, if you're a business owner, uh, I want to talk to you. When you started your business, did you dream about all those admin tasks like drafting proposals and contracts and tracking down payments? If that wasn't part of your vision, you may need HoneyBook. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. HoneyBook makes it simple to run your business better. They offer professional templates, e-signatures, and built-in automation that keeps everything on track and makes you look good. They can even consolidate services you already use like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, and MailChimp or Gmail. It's a number one choice for client and business management, for freelancers and business owners. I thought it was so interesting that after I had started working with HoneyBook, I went to a cake tasting with my daughter, my younger daughter, who's getting married soon. And uh, when we were all done and ready to book it, um, they sent the invoice and it was through HoneyBook. Well, right now, You can save time and do more of what you love if you're a business owner with HoneyBook. And HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off when you visit honeybook.com slash TPW. Payment is flexible. This promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. Just go to honeybook.com slash TPW to learn more and to get 50% off your first year. And again, that's honeybook.com slash TPW. Okay, so the beginning of a new year is a time when a lot of us are thinking about fresh starts. We're setting goals. We're we're thinking about getting our lives and our homes in all, into order. And a lot of people are thinking about decluttering. I like to watch some YouTube videos uh, from certain people, and a lot of them are talking right now about decluttering. And it had me thinking about decluttering my own home. As you know, if you've been listening for a while, we recently moved to a new home. And I've really tried to use that transition as an opportunity to think about the things we own, what we have, what we want to keep, 
what we want different for this new house. And so it got me thinking about decluttering and, um, you know, paring down what I have for a lot of reasons. So I thought I'd talk about that since it's on our minds anyway, uh, and share maybe 10 categories of things you might want to consider decluttering, things that I'm thinking about decluttering in my own home and office. And decluttering is an interesting thing. We, uh, you may already be kind of a minimalist and not be one to hang on to things. Some of us are, are not that way. We tend to hang on to things, even though we don't use them, we don't love them. And, and I've been thinking a lot about why we do that, why I do that. Some of it, I think, comes from a fear of lack. Uh, you know, what if I need it and I don't have it anymore? Sometimes we hang on to things that we're not using just because we feel a sense of guilt because we spent a lot of money on it or it has sentimental value because it was a gift and there are memories associated with it. Lots of reasons why we may hang on to things that we're not using, that we don't love, that don't serve a real purpose in our lives. Uh, I saw a quote online that I thought was kind of relevant here, and that is, and I forget where I saw this, I just had jotted it down, and so I can't give credit to, to where I saw it, but it was somewhere online, and it said, clutter is no more than postponed decisions. And that's really true. Sometimes we hang on to something because we just, we don't want to take the time to think about, do I really need this anymore? Uh, I'm moving it out of the way for something new that's coming in. Uh, should, should I just get rid of it? Should I keep it? Should I give it to somebody else? We don't want to make those decisions right now. So we set it aside. We stuff it in a drawer or a cupboard or a closet and postpone that decision until later. Well, maybe now is that later. Maybe now is a time when you're thinking about doing some decluttering, why you might want to do it to, to make space in your home, in your life, in your mind, by getting rid of things that you're not using that are not really serving a purpose in your life. And so I want to do this kind of quickly because I got 10 things, but I don't want this to be a really, really long episode. So let's just go through some categories that we might consider decluttering. And these are in no particular order other than just as I sat down to think about what, what I'm decluttering or thinking about decluttering and what I wanted to talk about. This is the order I wrote them down in. Well, the first item on the list is books. And this one is really hard for me because I love books. Uh, many of the books that I have carry memories for me of certain eras of my life. I have parenting books and homeschooling books from when my kids were young. And if you're new here, uh, my kids are all grown and gone. My my baby is tw- 25 years old. So, and my my two oldest kids. Yeah, three oldest kids are married and have kids of their own, and my fourth child is getting ready to get married soon. So, But for years, I had five little kids at home. I, I was really into reading parenting books because I wanted to be a good mom, wanted to learn. We homeschooled for 10 years, so I had tons and tons of homeschooling books, both textbooks and books about how to homeschool and, and all that sort of the theory of education had all that kind of stuff. And those books had meaning to me. They were representative of a time in my life that was significant to me and important to me. Same thing with law school textbooks and those sorts of things. So I have hundreds, if not thousands of books, and th- that is... Um, 
a really hard thing for me to declutter. Before we moved, we actually took, I want to say it was 12 or 14 boxes full of books to a half-price bookstore to turn into them. But that was hard for me. And even with that, we've still got many, many, many books here in the house. Marie Kondo, who wrote The Magical Art of Tidying Up and who's very famous for her tidying up process, says that she keeps her collection of books to no more than 30. Now, this is never going to work for me because I have a lot of books and Frankly, most of my books, many of my books actually do as, you know, spark joy for me. It makes me happy to look at them and I do take them out and reread them at various times. Nevertheless, I am trying to declutter books and I know many of you are as well. For me, this is very much an ongoing process. As I mentioned, we got rid of several, you know, a dozen or more boxes of books before we moved into this new house. And I gathered those boxes full of books over the course of several weeks of, you know, I'd pull out a few books that, okay, I can do without this and put them in the box. And, you know, every few days I'd go through the shelves again and maybe pull out a few more and a few more. And and that's a continuing process for me. And it maybe that will work for you that you you know, when you're in that frame of mind, when you're feeling like strong and like you can get rid of something, go through your stacks and pull out some that you know you're not going to read again, that you feel like you can let go of, and that maybe someone else can find pleasure in. You might want to, on the other hand, to do it all in one go. Pull all your books out, sort them into piles of keep and give away, and then get rid of the ones that you're not going to keep. Give them to friends or donate them to a thrift store or take them to somewhere like half price books that will buy them. Now don't expect to make a ton of money off of them for our 12 or 14 boxes full of books. I think I got maybe $10. It, you know, they don't give you much, but you know, it's money I didn't have before. And more important, I don't have those books to deal with anymore. For me, it's easier to let go of fiction as I was sorting through books, I kept really only a few of my very favorite novels and some novels that were written by friends of mine. Other than those, nowadays I mostly read fiction in the Kindle app on my iPad mini, so it was a little easier for me to let go uh, most of my collection of novels. Nonfiction for me is harder. Uh, I don't read those on the Kindle. I prefer hard, hard copies so I can flip back and forth in the pages, tab the pages, and I like to keep them for reference. But even at that, I'm trying to be better about getting rid of the ones that I'm really not using, the ones that are out of date. So here are some thoughts for you uh, for ideas for decluttering books, whether it's easy or hard for you. A good place to start is with old or outdated reference books. So if you have just an old almanac, for instance, from, you know, 1985 or something like that, unless it has some real significance to you because of things that happened that year, that's probably something you can get rid of. Most of us nowadays, when we're doing research, we're going to start online. And so keeping a, a stack or a shelf full of outdated reference books really doesn't serve us anymore. So that may be a place where you can start. Another thing to consider, some experts say, consider setting limits for yourself, that you will keep only a certain number of books, whether it's, you know, the 30 books or so that Marie Kondo keeps, 
Or maybe you, you say, I've got this one set of bookshelves. All my books have to fit here. Anything that doesn't fit here has to go. Then you weed through your books to, to decide which ones have earned their right to be on those shelves. Once they're full, if you bring new books home, something else has to go because you've set that limit for yourself. Maybe you want to donate some to your church library or to a senior housing center, or if you've got lots of kids' books, as I have had, uh, donate them maybe to a daycare center or preschool or someone who can enjoy them. I finally let go of nearly all of my homeschooling resource and textbooks that uh, I have been carrying around more than 20 years after I had last homeschooled a child. I found a woman here locally who was writing a book about homeschooling, and she was delighted to have them. And she promised that any that she couldn't use, she would share with the other families in her homeschool co-op. So I felt good about the fact that somebody was getting a, a use and benefit out of those books, and I no longer have to take care of them. And as I mentioned before, you can also consider taking them to somewhere like Half Price Books or another used bookstore that buys used books and see if you can get a little cash for them. Those are just a few thoughts uh, on the idea of decluttering books. Books tend to take up a lot of space. The more of them you have, the more space they take, obviously. So they're a great place to start uh, decluttering your home. Second category to consider is clothing. And this is not as hard for me as it is for some. You may be one who really loves clothes and loves to shop and has a huge collection of clothes and you have a hard time letting go of any of them. If that's you, there are some things you can do to decide when and how to declutter your clothing. And I think the first place to start is to ask yourself how you feel when you look in your closet and in your dresser drawers. If it's over full, especially with clothes that used to fit but no longer do, does that make you feel bad? Do you feel guilty? Do you feel bad that you've gained weight or lost weight in such a way that you've got these clothes that used to fit you but you can't fit into them anymore? If you are you know, if you feel bad, even just momentarily when you look in your dresser drawers or into your closet, maybe it's a good time to think about decluttering in there. If it's overstuffed and overfull and you have a hard time closing the drawers that your, your clothes are in or, or fitting things onto the hanger and there, things are just piled everywhere, that doesn't feel good. It's hard to keep it clean. It doesn't feel peaceful for most of us when we look at that. So what do you think about disposing of clothes, getting rid of, decluttering your closet and your dresser drawers? There are some ways to start that process that maybe are an easier way in. So start by getting rid of anything that's stained or snagged or just generally shabby looking. Sometimes it's tempting to hang on to some of those things like the old baggy t-shirts or things like that. You think, oh, I'll keep these and I'll use them for yard work or for painting or something like that. But I would offer this as a consideration. Most of us don't need more than one or two, you know, old ratty t-shirts to paint or do yard work in at most one or two. And really more than that, don't we deserve better than to wear shabby stained clothes, even for yard work? And I'm not suggesting we should go out and do yard work in a silk blouse and tweed pants or something like that. But 
why would we keep anything that's stained or ratty looking, has holes in it, unless you put them there on purpose because it's a style thing, snagged sweaters or, or stuff like that. I think we maybe need to think more highly of ourselves than to allow ourselves to wear that, even if it's just around the house. So consider getting rid of those things. The next thing to consider getting rid of is anything that doesn't fit. If it's too small, if it's something you used to wear and you keep thinking, well, I'll, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight. That's my goal this year. And I want to wear that again. Well, maybe you will, and maybe you won't. Maybe if you lose the weight that you want to lose, you're going to want to celebrate and buy some new things anyway. So make room for those new things, those nicer things by getting rid of the things that don't fit you. Let someone else enjoy them now. And just like the things that are stained or shabby looking, anything that needs buttons or a zipper fix or other repairs, consider getting rid of those. Either get them repaired like today, take them to either repair them yourself or take them to a seamstress who can fix them for you or just get rid of them. Uh, you're, you're not going to wear them that way. So those should be an easier thing to get rid of. If it's something you really, really love and you want to wear, then take the time right now to, to replace that button, fix that zipper, fix that hem, whatever it is, and put it back in rotation so you can wear it. Otherwise, get rid of those things. Another thing to consider is if you have multiples of the same thing, so, you know, the question to ask yourself, and nobody can answer this for you except you, is, you know, how many of a particular item do you need? How many pairs of jeans do you need? How many black t-shirts or blue sweaters or, you know, red dresses or whatever do you need? Again, nobody can answer that question for you except you, but answer it honestly. If you wear them all regularly, great, keep them. You know, maybe you're like Steve Jobs used to be of, of Apple, who was known for wearing the same, you know, he wore the same kind of jeans and the same black turtleneck every day. So he never had to think about what he was going to wear today. And so he had, he probably had multiples of that shirt and those jeans. And that's great if that's what you do. But if you don't, if you don't wear them, if you have multiple pairs of jeans, but you wear the same one or two pairs regularly, then get rid of the others. I have, for instance, a bunch of t-shirts, different ones that I've gotten at conferences or with funny sayings on them. But when I'm honest with myself, I wear the same four, maybe five all the time. And the others I almost never wear. And I do laundry every week. So it's not like I need a big uh, stack of backup shirts. So on my list here in the, the next week is to go through and get rid of nearly all of those t-shirts that I've been keeping, uh, that, but not wearing. And, you know, that goes to the next point of as you're decluttering clothes, anything you haven't worn, say in the past year is probably a good candidate for, um, donating to somebody else. I've read in a couple of different places, one idea for deciding what to declutter, what to keep and what to not keep of your clothes is when you clean out your closet, hang all your clothes up with the hangers facing backwards. And then as you wear an item, put it back with the hanger facing the right way. And after 
three months, six months, you decide whatever the period of time is. Anything that's still on a hanger facing backwards, it means you haven't worn it in that period of time. Consider removing that from your closet. The benefits of decluttering your closet and your dresser and, and you know, your clothes in general, uh, there's several of them. You're going to have more space, uh, more, you know, open space, which means it's going to be a more peaceful thing to do to go into your closet or your dresser. You're going to have less laundry to wash and fold. And you're going to have fewer bad feelings from looking at those overstuffed closets and drawers, clothes you spent money on but don't wear. If you have fewer things in your closet and your dressers, you're going to have fewer decisions to make, which means less stress. You're going to wear the things that you enjoy wearing and not have a bunch of other stuff in there just taking up space. Someone else can enjoy those things you don't wear. And there's a possibility of getting maybe a little extra cash if you have nice things that you're simply not wearing anymore. Maybe consider selling them on a site like Poshmark or something like that and you can get a little cash back. Uh, this same, all these same things apply to your children's clothes, and this may be a great time to go through theirs as well and uh, sort out the things that they've outgrown or that are stained or torn or uh, not used anymore and get rid of those. I would encourage you to check out our former guest, and I forget which episode it is, but I'll put a link in the show notes. Courtney Carver has written a new book called Project 33, all about her experiment with keeping only 33 items in her closet. And uh, you might want to check that out. Like I said, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can have a look at that and maybe that'll give you some inspiration. Okay. Item number three or category number three is kitchen stuff. I mean, the advantages of decluttering your kitchen are obvious. It's going to be a more efficient and more workable kitchen, and you're going to spend less time cleaning and organizing stuff. If you've gotten rid of things that haven't earned a place in your kitchen, and you have only the things that you use and enjoy using. So some kitchen items to consider decluttering, starting with, say, appliances that you don't use, you know, small appliances. Now that's hard if you spend a lot of money on it, but if you're not using this item, it's not an asset. It's costing you money in terms of space to store it and aggravation each time you have to move it out of the way to get to something you do need to use and guilt each time you look at it and remember how much you spent on this thing that you never use. So whether it's a coffee maker or a mixer or a you know, an instant pot. I mean, I love my instant pot, but maybe you got one because you thought we were going to use it and you're just not using it. Anything like that. If you haven't used it in say a year or more, consider decluttering it. You might sell it on Facebook marketplace. For instance, you could give it to a friend or an adult child that could use it, or maybe donate it to your church kitchen or a local charity that helps single moms or women who've left abusive homes. They would love to have it. It gets it out of your space. You're no, it's no longer cluttering up your space and making you feel bad for having it there. Similarly, uh, or another kind of kitchen item that you might want to consider decluttering is food storage containers. I mean, really, how many of those do we really need? When we packed up to move to the new house, I took that opportunity to get rid of all of the old chipped or, or you know, old plastic containers. Uh, maybe you're like me, you collect those, those plastic containers that uh, 
deli lunch meats come in. Well, you know, it's nice to keep a few of those for, say, sending food home with guests after a a dinner party or for taking leftovers to work for lunch because you don't care if they get lost or, you know, you lose, you don't have them anymore. But for the most part, we don't need more than maybe four to six of those, say. So we got rid of pretty much all of those. I bought a new set of high quality glass storage containers with really good lids, the the kind that can go from the refrigerator to the microwave to the dishwasher. And I got rid of everything else. So think about decluttering your food storage containers. Utensils, that's another area. How many wooden spoons or pot holders or spatulas or mixing bowls or cheese graters do I need? And there's no right answer for that. The question maybe to ask yourself with each item you look at is how often do I actually use this? And if the answer is never, or, you know, I haven't used it in the last year, then maybe it's time to get rid of it. One YouTuber that I really like, and I'll put a link to her channel in the show notes. She she goes by the name, the minimal mom. She asks, how do you want your kitchen to feel? If you want it to feel kind of oh, I don't know, cluttered, you know, with lots of neat stuff around, that's great, do that. But if you'd like a little bit more uh, functional, cleaner looking, um, clearer with empty space, uh, then maybe it's time to declutter. The cleaner your kitchen is, the better your whole house feels. And the less stuff you have in it, the easier it is to keep clean. So consider uh, decluttering some of your kitchen items. Category four is children's toys. One mom blogger who also happens to have a PhD in child development says kids don't actually benefit from having a ton of toys. She says the research shows us that when we cut the excess from the lives of children, they focus better and have less stress. And this is from an article called How to Declutter Toys, which I will link in the show notes. And I recommend that if you have kids at home and you're overrun with toys, check this out. She recommends a process for decluttering uh, in this article that starts with just observing your kids for a week or so. What toys do they actually use and enjoy? But also what value does each toy add to your child's life? How does it benefit your child? She recommends asking yourself these questions about each toy that your child has. Number one, does this toy offer opportunity for creativity? Number two, will this toy help my kid to burn off energy? Number three, can this toy be used in many different ways by kids of different ages and genders? And number four, does my kid love this toy? Depending on the answers to that, you that may help you decide whether to keep or get rid of, of a particular toy. And of course, depending on your child's age, you may want to involve them in the that question, uh, you know, that process as well. Consider decluttering by category. So maybe just one day go through all the toy cars or all the art supplies or all the blocks or puzzles and deciding what's there, what's, you know, what you're going to keep, what they use, what they love, answer those four questions and go from there. Obviously start by discarding toys that are broken or have missing parts and that sort of thing. And if you've got toys your kids have outgrown, 
You might want to donate those to someone you know that has younger kids or to a daycare center or preschool or something like that. If you plan to have more kids or you have younger kids that will grow into those toys, just box them up for now and put them into storage and remember to bring them out when uh, when they'll be used and enjoyed. If you worry about, as you're going through this process and considering getting rid of toys that you think haven't really earned a place in your kid's toy storage, and you worry about how they're going to react, you can just box up the toys you'd like to get rid of and put them away for a while to see if the kids ask for them. If they do, you've still got them, you can pull it out and they can enjoy it. But if they don't, then after a couple of months, then go ahead and donate them. Uh, And then another way of kind of decluttering your regular living space from toys is to uh, keep some of the toys that you box up and and then rotate them every few weeks. So leave some toys out for them to play with, put others away. And then every, every few weeks, rotate some of the ones you've had boxed up, pull out some of the ones from the toy box or the shelves. And it's like, they've got new toys, but you haven't spent any money. So those are some thoughts on toys. Number five, a category to declutter is expired medications. This should be obvious that we should do this, but We don't always do it. When we were moving, I went through our medicine cabinets in all our bathrooms. I pulled everything into one place. And the first thing I did was look at the expiration dates and threw away a whole lot of stuff, you know, cold meds, allergy stuff, uh, not just prescription things, but over-the-counter things uh, that were expired and disposed of those. If you're looking at disposing of expired medications. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration offers guidelines for disposing of those expired or no longer needed medications in an article called Where and How to Dispose of Unused Medicines. And I will link to that in the show notes so you can check that out. The DEA, Drug Enforcement Agency, offers a drug take-back program. And it's not just for addictive or, you know, illegal drugs, any kind of medications. The FDA has a list of medications that are recommended that for just flushing down the toilet. I will have that link in the show notes as well. And if uh, for things that are not on that uh, list, things that cannot be or shouldn't be flushed, some of them can be disposed of in the trash, but they recommend a specific process for doing that. And I hadn't thought about this. Uh, and it's to protect uh, somebody who might get, get into that medication or come across it in the trash or in, a, in the dump or wherever your trash goes. And so the process they recommend briefly is, first of all, remove the drugs from their original containers and mix them with something undesirable, such as used coffee grounds, dirt, or cat litter litter, which makes the medicine less appealing to children and pets and unrecognizable to somebody who might intentionally go through the trash looking for drugs. Second step is to put that mixture into something you can close like a resealable Ziploc bag, an empty can, or some kind of container, one of those uh, lunch meat containers that we're decluttering to prevent the drug from leaking or spilling out and then throw that container in the garbage. And then on the original packaging, if it was, um, prescription meds, make sure you scratch out all your personal information on that empty packaging to protect your privacy and then throw the packaging away. So that again came from this article that I will link to in the show notes, but that's that's the process that the Food and Drug Administration recommends for disposing of drugs that you no longer want to keep. Number six, 
category to consider decluttering in 2020 is, or whatever year you're listening to this, is toiletries. So makeup, skincare, hair care. Besides cluttering our space and thereby increasing our distress, toiletries actually lose effectiveness over time and they can harbor harmful bacteria. So consider getting rid of those that you're not using or those that are old. Some thoughts about that. First of all, gather up all of your makeup, your skincare and hair care products and other toiletries into one location so you can see what you actually have. So pull it out of your cabinets, out of the drawers, out of your, you know, your travel bags, whatever, put it all in one place, look at each item and ask yourself some questions. And uh, some of these questions came from a a great article on decluttering uh, cosmetics and toiletries that I'll link in the show notes. And they, they, uh, this writer encourages us to ask ourselves these questions. Do I use it? Do I like the smell? Does it make me feel good? Is it way out of date? Does it live up to its promises? So does it accomplish what it says it's going to do? Does it suit me? Am I keeping it just because it was a gift? Is it usable? Am I keeping it just because it was expensive? Ask yourself those questions, think about your answers and decide what to get rid of based on that. Um, consider getting rid of all those free samples or, or keep only a limited number, number of those that you'll use for travel or make available for guests. I keep a few of those tra- uh, samples or travel size things that I put in the guest bathroom to make available for our guests in case they've forgotten something when we have someone staying. Uh, certainly toss anything that's out of date. Liquid products that have been opened for more than six months should be discarded. Dried out products like mascara and nail polish, old lipsticks that have kind of dried out and got that uh, you know gritty, nasty feeling, just throw those away. If you have multiple open containers of products that you want to keep, and this is what you find when you gather everything into one place, you can see, well, okay, I have three open bottles of the same shampoo or the same tone, face toner or whatever. In that case, if you want to keep them, combine them all into one bottle and consolidate them and toss the empty containers. Um, get rid of makeup or skincare that you don't use because the color or the formulation doesn't suit you. Uh, maybe you have a friend who would like it, or if it's unopened and it's still in good condition, but you're just not going to use it, consider donating it to a woman's shelter or something like that. And definitely commit to using up what you have before you buy anything else. Offer some of it to friends because what doesn't work for you might be perfect for them. One writer suggests if you're not sure if you've used some items recently or not, put them in a basket and mark today's date on them. Just write it on a piece of tape or a sticker or even on the label of of one of the products. If you use it, um, one of the products, take it out of the basket and put it back with the rest of your toiletries. Anything that's left in the basket by, you know, whatever certain date you choose, whether it's a month, three months or whatever, give those things away. So there's some thoughts for uh, getting rid of toiletries. Number seven is uh, papers. You know, that's a big deal. Uh, We all get inundated with papers. And um, we will probably talk more about that in future episodes. And I will, by the way, link in uh, the show notes for this episode, some past episodes where we've talked about decluttering in case you want to get some more ideas or inspiration there. But one expert gives us these recommendations in terms of what we should be keeping and for how long. 
So certain things you will keep for less than a year. And so in this category, this expert, uh, Weltman, says to store your ATM, bank deposit, and credit card receipts just until you've reconciled them with your monthly statement. Once you've done that, shred the paper documents unless you need them to support your tax return and keep your insurance policies and investment statements only until the next ones arrive. So those are things you'll keep for less than a year. Things you'll want to keep for a year or longer loan documents until that loan is paid off, whether it's for your house, your car, whatever. And that will often be for more than a year. So for instance, if you own a car, hold on to the title until you sell it. If you have investments in stocks, bonds, or mutual funds, this expert says, keep the purchase confirmations until you sell them so you can establish your cost basis and holding period. In another category is papers that we should keep for seven years. And that would be tax records because in the United States, at least if you fail to report all your gross income on your tax returns, the government has six years to collect the tax or start legal proceedings. So to be on the safe side, the experts recommend you keep your tax records for at least seven years. And then the last category in this article was papers to keep indefinitely, keep forever. So that's records such as birth certificates, death certificates, marriage licenses, divorce decrees, your social security card, and military discharge papers. The article also puts in this category any defined benefit plan documents, estate planning documents like your will, uh, keep that until you've done a new one, life insurance policies, and perhaps an inventory of what's inside your bank's safe deposit box if you have one. So that, I thought that was helpful information, and I'll have the link to that article in the show notes so you can check it out if you want to consult that in, in as you're sorting through papers. As for kids' papers or special notes and letters, can you scan that and save a digital copy so you can still enjoy it and look at it, but you don't have the papers anymore? I have a pretty box that I keep where I put um, special notes, thank you notes that I've gotten from people, kind letters from listeners, certain things like that. I, I put those in this box where I can go through it periodically. I could scan those and save a digital copy. And if I get to where uh, that box is too full, I may do that. But for now, I enjoy keeping those handwritten notes and things like that to look at. But I, it's confined to just the one box. And the last thought with respect to papers and decluttering is consider investing in a shredder for disposing of papers that contain personal or sensitive information. You can generally get a pretty inexpensive shredder at somewhere like Office Depot or one of those sorts of places that you can keep somewhere and shred things as they come in that have that sensitive information. When we lived in the country, we would burn those papers. Um, but now that we're in a er- neighborhood where outside burning is prohibited, we just will sh- shred them. Category eight is duplicates. And this kind of goes across all the other categories. It can be anything tools, appliances, pens, just anything you have duplicates of, consider whether you need those duplicates. One writer that I read encourages us to consider how we might benefit from owning owning only one of particular items. And um, she encourages us to think about areas in our home that might be, as she puts it, overrun with duplicates. And so some of those areas to think about whether you've got too many 
and whether you want to dispose of or, or donate some of those duplicates would be, and some of these are things we've already talked about. So uh, she talks about kitchen utensils like mugs, spatulas, whisks, spoons, cutting boards, rolling pins, and storage containers. Um, do you have more than you need there? Can you declutter some of those and let someone else enjoy them? In your junk drawer, pens, pencils, notepads, bag clips, takeout menus, odds and ends, you know, a lot of those things can be just thrown away. In your closets and dressers, do you have duplicates of purses, but you use the same one all the time? How about shoes or jackets? Or she mentions t-shirt collections, which I've already talked about for myself. In your office drawers or your desk, do you have piles of post-it notes, pens, paper clips, rubber bands, multiple pairs of scissors? I'm not saying you should get rid of all of those, but if you have duplicates, think about whether you need them or whether you can pass some of those on to someone else. She says to look at our linens, so bath and hand towels. I try to keep a couple of sets per person. So Mike and I have a couple of sets, two of each color that we have uh, in terms of two two bath towels, two hand towels, two washcloths of each color we have. And we have a dark gray and a light gray. You know, that's basically it. And then a set for each uh, of two of each for each guest bathroom. And that's it. Uh, look at beach towels, washcloths, sheet sets, blankets, and, and those sorts of things. Kitchen towels. Uh, how many duplicates do you need? Nobody can tell you the answer for that, but think about it seriously and see if you can declutter there. Shoes. How many pairs of sandals or flip-flops or heels do you need? How many pairs of boots or uh, how many pairs of, of sneakers or, or athletic shoes in various conditions? Certainly consider get ri getting rid of the ones that are worn out. Kitchen accessories we've talked about, children's toys we've talked about. She also suggests that we look at hobby materials and sports equipment and decide whether we need duplicates or whether we would have a benefit but from only owning one. She also points out in this article that one might not just mean one of an item, it also could apply to simplifying a group of items. So one shelf of books, one drawer with post-it notes and notepads and pens, something like that. Category number nine is decor. And uh, this is one that I've really been trying to go through. Uh, change of seasons is a good time to evaluate what you have in terms of home decor, both, both what's on display in your home and what you have maybe stored away for another season and thin out the items you haven't used, no longer love, or that maybe no longer suit your style or your tastes. I've been going through things because this house is different from the last one we lived in. And some of the things that suited that house don't suit this one. Plus, I want to get some new things for this house. So, for instance, as I was packing up my Christmas decorations right after the first of the year, I pulled out things from my Christmas decoration collection that I didn't use this year, that I realize I'm not going to use next year because they don't, uh, you know, as Marie Kondo would say, they don't spark joy. I don't like them. They're not pretty. Uh, they're not my style. They don't suit my tastes these days. So I put all those things in my donate box and consolidated the boxes so that uh, I can see what I have and decide whether I want to get replacements or not. You can do the same thing with each season. If you're one of those who likes to decorate for each season or for each holiday, 
gather all your things together and, and ask yourself, what do you have in that collection that you're not going to use, you didn't use last year, that you can pass along to someone else who will enjoy it more? Um, one way to do this is to walk through your house with an observant eye and a box or a basket. Try to see it as a visitor might and notice how it feels. Do you love it? Do you love everything that's sitting out there? Or do you have too much, too many knickknacks, too many things on the wall, too, more than feels comfortable, or are they the wrong colors? Do things feel out of balance? With that box or basket that you're carrying, just start pulling up, out things uh, off shelves or off the walls or wherever that, that just don't fit anymore, that don't uh, spark joy, that don't look the way you want it to look. Put those in the box or basket and give them to someone who will enjoy them. Another thing to consider doing, if you can, with your decor is to consolidate things. So go around and gather up all of a different of a certain category, all your candles and candlesticks, all your floral decorations, all your vases, all your wall art, all your decorative trays and bowls, you know, whatever it is that you have. Gather them all from every room into one place and all your storage places where you have these. Put them out and look at them and evaluate what you have, how much of it you have, how many duplicates you have, what items you have that they're okay, but you're not crazy about it. If you don't love it, maybe consider getting rid of it, regardless of where it came from. Certainly discard anything that's broken or just too shabby. You deserve better than that in your home and the people you live with deserve better than to have broken or shabby things out unless you're, and I don't mean, you know, intentionally sort of the shabby chic look. If that's your look, that's fine. I'm talking about just kind of old, worn out, you know, pillows that are nearly flat or have holes in the covers, candles that are burned down and, you know, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Discard those things. Nobody needs those. The other things that are in good shape, but you just don't love them anymore. Give those things away, donate them uh, to a thrift store or offer them to friends. Keep only what you love and use because doing so makes space for you to get things. Once you've done that, then you start to see the gaps and think, oh, I need something for this wall. And you can go look for something that you love. And again, though, if you are one of those who likes to decorate fresh for each season, before you go out and buy new decor for the next season, make sure you've looked at what you have and just do your shopping to fill in those gaps. The final category of things to consider decluttering is tech. Uh, and this means anything from computers and TVs to phones and tablets, cords, cables and batteries, cameras, all those sorts of things. Any, any of those sort of electronics and the techs. These are hard to declutter because we spend a lot of money on them. And so it's hard to let ourselves give those up. But they take up space that could better be used for other things. They create that mental clutter as well. If they're filling up our drawers and our countertops or whatever. In addition, uh, old tech has a couple of other pieces. Uh, There's a safety factor. So if you've got old tech that maybe isn't working its best or frayed or broken cords, those can be a fire hazard. If you've got a lot of cords hanging over the side of somewhere that can trip people. So there's a safety issue there. 
And there's also a cleaning issue. It's very hard to clean around clutter of any kind, including uh, technology clutter. So in terms of what to get rid of, obviously you're going to start with the tech you're not using. Old phones that you've gotten a new one and, and you're not using it now. Old printers, old CD players, remote controls to items you no longer own or use, broken cables, etc. Whether because it's broken or because you just got something newer, there's no need to keep it around just in case. Uh, when I get a new phone, usually I pass mine down to somebody else in the family. But if neither you nor anybody else has used it in the past six months to a year, consider disposing of it or donating it. Uh, the easy way to do this, or I don't know if it's easy, but a, an effective way to do this is to start by gathering everything. Have a, a single place where all the stray cables, extra chargers and batteries, et cetera, all those things go so you can see what you have. So whenever you find some random cable in a in a drawer or under the bed or something, for if it's cracked or frayed or broken, just toss it. But otherwise, put it in that place. Have that whether it's a box or a drawer where you're going to gather all these things. Now you can see what you've got. Decide how many of those you want to keep, uh, and then put them where they belong. Anything you're getting rid of, either give it to family or friends. Donate it to a charitable organization, or if it's in good condition, consider selling it on somewhere like eBay or Gazelle. And I'll try to put links, uh, a link for Gazelle. They're not a sponsor of the show, but um, they buy used tech uh, from people. For other ideas on where to get some cash for tech you're no longer using, check out an article called Best Places to Sell Your Used Electronics in 2020, and I will put that link in the show notes. As one writer put it, if you're holding on to them because you're not sure what to do with them, check with the manufacturer of the item or your local government to see if they run a recycling program. Because you may not want to put technology in the trash. Many companies, this article says, among them Best Buy, Staples, and Apple, offer electronics recycling services. And you may also be able to donate old computers and other items to charitable organizations or to sell them. Uh, this writer says many electronics contain hazardous materials and should not be simply thrown in the trash. Your city or county should offer instructions on how to safely dispose of those these items. And make sure before you get rid of tech, whether you know an old phone, or old computer, something like that, make sure your personal information is deleted, hard drives are backed up, and then thoroughly erased or overwritten. So those are the categories that I thought of. Uh, just to recap, it's books, clothes, kitchen stuff, children's toys, expired meds, toiletries, papers, duplicates, decor, and tech. A few thoughts that kind of apply to all of those. If as you're going through pulling things out and you're not sure you want to get rid of something, consider boxing it up labeling the box with what's inside and the date, then if you really need something, it's still there. You can go into the box and get it. But if you don't go into that box in the next three to six months, then just donate it without even opening it up. Remember this, you don't have to get rid of a single thing if you don't want to. It's your home. It's your life. The question is, how do you want your home to feel? If you're satisfied with it, leave it as it is. Nobody can tell you what you need to get rid of. In all areas, though, consider the concept of less 
but better. So fewer clothes, but better quality, you know, fewer pieces of technology, fewer kitchen items, but better quality will suit you better. And finally, professional organizer Peter Walsh has said this, clutter isn't just the stuff in your closet. It's anything that gets between you and the life that you want to be living. And I would say to you and to myself, let's get rid of those things that are getting between us and a life that matters as we define it. So those are my thoughts on it. It uh, went a little longer than I was hoping it did. I hope I didn't talk too fast for you. So my question for you is, what do you think about this? Are you doing any decluttering as this new year begins? What motivates you to declutter and how do you decide what to get rid of? I really would like to hear from you as I'm going through this process with you. You can share your ideas, your thoughts, or your questions in the comment section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 277. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. If you're a woman who listens to this show and is a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, that's a great place to to post your questions or your suggestions, your ideas for the rest of us on decluttering. And I'd love to have that this conversation continue there. If you'd rather share your thoughts with me privately, you can always email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Before we go, uh, just a quick word about our sponsor, MetPro. You know, as a woman, you're used to taking care of everyone, but to be your best self, you have to take care of your needs and your health as well. So if one of your goals this year is to get healthier and more fit, MetPro, which is a concierge health coaching program and it's for men and women. But anyway, MetPro offers you a way to work with a team of industry-leading experts to help guide you, hold you accountable, and cheer you on as you cross the finish line toward achieving your health goals. Using your metabolic data, MetPro analyzes your metabolism to learn how your body actually responds to diet and exercise. And then with personal coaching, they help you apply those insights into your lifestyle. I mean, it, it, I really appreciated the insights and the accountability that my coach offered me and the information they got from, uh, the metabolic data that they did, um, that they gathered from their process. And it's not just about weight loss because MetPro coaches provide you with support and education you need to live a healthier life. And they've offered something special for the Productive Woman listeners. You can visit metpro.co slash tpw. So that's not .com. It's metpro.co slash tpw to get a complimentary metabolic profiling assessment and consultation with one of their coaches. You'll learn about your metabolism and you receive personalized advice from a metabolic expert. So to claim claim this offer, head to metpro.co slash tpw. And if you're a business owner, don't forget HoneyBook's online business management tool that makes it simple to run your business better this year. Go to honeybook.com slash tpw for 50% off your first year. That's honeybook.com slash tpw. And thank you so much to HoneyBook and MetPro for supporting the Productive Woman podcast and productive women everywhere. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. As always, I am so grateful for you uh, 
to for you spending this time with me. I hope you felt like it was worthwhile. I hope you found some encouragement or some inspiration to take some action. Uh, I look forward to talking with you again and working together this year to make it a great, meaningfully productive year. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. Bye.